Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. Our passage today comes from Matthew 10, 40-42. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. In the previous verses, Jesus tells his disciples about what will happen when they take the challenge to become his followers. They are not to be under any illusion that they will be received with warm hospitality because people will most likely be offended by how they live, who they love, and what they teach. In fact, they will be approached with heavy persecution by rivals, rejection from those who don't want to be associated with them, and hardships from leaving everything behind to follow Jesus. Jesus also gives caution to those who will reject the people who are sent by him. In retrospect, Jesus also explains the reward for those who will receive the ones he sends. In the culture of Jesus' time, by receiving an individual, they are in fact receiving the entire community from which the person comes from. Therefore, by welcoming the disciples, they would be welcoming the message of Jesus and the kingdom of heaven that he has been teaching about. It is important to understand the principle of Jesus' reward for those who are receptive to his followers. It is common for people to look at this passage and interpret this reward as something strictly existential. We can look at this admonishment and believe that we will receive rewards in the shape of materialistic blessings such as money, ownership of cars, homes, or prosperity with our physical health. Unfortunately, we take this definition of a reward and it becomes our motivation to become hospitable towards those who call Jesus their Savior. Our intentions become less about receiving Jesus and being blessed by his good news about eternal life and salvation and more about heightening the social and religious status of the messenger. We become more focused about what the messenger can bless us with instead of allowing the messenger to be the blessing to us. Although we need to be cautious of limiting God's blessings to life improvement ideologies, we can't completely ignore that God desires to bless people. A holistic understanding of the reward will integrate earthly and eternal implications. God's greatest reward comes in the person of His Son, Jesus, and a gift that comes from the grace He has delivered through His death on the cross. As the disciples enter the homes of the people who are inviting them, they don't simply bring the message of God. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes in his book, Life Together, and with them, they bring God the Father, And that means indeed forgiveness and salvation, life and blessing. That is the reward of their toil and suffering. Every service people give them is service provided to Christ himself. In Luke 19, 1-10, we can see the story of Zacchaeus. Although he is a tax collector, which meant he was notorious for his greediness and exploitations, he invites Jesus into his home. As Jesus probes the heart of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus becomes convinced to change his life 
and responds by giving away half of all his possessions to the people he exploited. The story concludes with Jesus saying, Today, salvation has come to this house. The reward we receive by being invitational and hospitable to other believers is the power of forgiveness, the covering of peace, and the unexplainable joy and experience of God's kingdom, which is the personification of perfect harmony. In verse 42, Jesus clarifies the expectations of the hosts. Jesus isn't requiring for people to gift grand gestures of hospitality. He is not asking people to lavish the disciples with gifts and hosts of riches. The intentions of his admonishment isn't for Jesus to elevate the social or economical status of his followers. He uses a cup of water as an example of hospitality and generosity. In the verse he calls his disciples the little ones, not because they are children or inferior, but because he is displaying the idea that of their status as his followers. Scholar Leo Moore says, Notice that Jesus is speaking of the smallest conceivable gift to the most insignificant of people. Jesus is not speaking of a small service rendered to a great person, but a small service rendered to a small person. By sharing the example of a simple cup of water, Jesus is rendering down the concept of extravagant hospitality and challenging us to have hearts of compassion and generosity. During my freshman year in college, I was attending a school in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. It was there that I experienced this type of hospitality and extravagant generosity. As the Thanksgiving holiday came around, I had no means to get back home, and the campus was closing for the holiday weekend. As I was desperately trying to make plans, a family at the church I was serving at heard about my situation and invited me to stay with them for the weekend. We only knew each other for a short month. I was practically a stranger to them. However, they opened up their home for me to stay and share in their family Thanksgiving meal. It was a gesture of hospitality that was shocking to me. By their invitation, I was able to experience such a beautiful picture of Christ and the community He desires. The hospitality and radical generosity of the Christian community was a distinguishing mark of their identity. In today's culture, Christianity might have a stigma of being exclusive due to certain values that might be understood out of context. However, if we understand each part of Jesus' teachings through the eyes of His grace, love, and compassion, we can clearly recognize that he was constantly challenging people to embody a love that is compelling. The demonstration of his life, death, and resurrection is an invitation to all of us who were excluded to receive grace because of our rebellious heart towards God. Jesus has created a space for us at the banquet table of God to be able to feast with him and enjoy his company because he himself removed himself from the space to come to earth and pay the ultimate price for our invitation. Think about how our lives would be like if we invited God into our life and we were to receive the gift of salvation and a life that is in harmony with Him and with our community. Is there someone in our life we can be radically generous and hospitable to? Is there someone that is looking to be invited into a space where they can be loved and cared for? Pray and ask God to open our hearts to the possibility of receiving someone in our life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for being the greatest host. We thank you for sacrificing everything you had so that we can be invited to be part of the table with you. We thank you that you have given us the gift of generosity. By your great sacrifice, we can see and embody a love that is so powerful that as we extend our hearts and our homes to others, that they may receive that love as well. May we be people that are, that are distinguished. May we be people that are distinct. And may we be a people that, are, that is marked with great generosity and great love. Help us to see you and help us to love you and to love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.